Yo, what is up, guys? Welcome back to Tag Team, the Pokemon Trading Card Games premier podcasting duo. My name is Riley Holbert, joined, as always, by my good, good friend, Mr. J.W. Kariwal. J.W., how's it hanging today? Hey, it's going really well, Riley. I am on my second leg of paternity leave. Very nice. How does it feel to be... Maybe not feels, relaxing, but <laughs> enjoying your time with your family. Feels good. Feels good. I just took a trip to Salt Lake City. Just got back yesterday. Yeah, the tournament's well, not till later, morning. you realize. I know. I went a little bit too early for the tournament, <laughs> but Anne had scheduled this whole get-together with her friends from college, and as a spouse... I go along with, and, uh, <laughs> no, it's really fun though. I, ha- I have a yeah. good time and, and you know, we're, we're all at this point, we've known each other for five years now or something. So we're all pretty good friends. So it was a good time hanging out and seeing the sights and I had never been to Salt Lake city before. It's beautiful out there. It really is. Yeah. A lot of the West coast is just gorgeous. And I read a lot about Mormonism. <laughs> and you know what it's really feeling? It's actually crazy for sure i'm if anyone's mormon out there like i gotta i i had talked to mormons before but i didn't actually realize like the church history and how wild it is i was just and i was just reading the wikipedia article like if i had a a book or something that i was reading like man i'm sure it gets even crazier but (laughs) but also other fun fact if you're listening to this on thursday it's my birthday. Oh, very, yeah. very special. So you can you can send your well wishes over on Twitter <laughs> at real John Walter or to This the is podcast. a call to action. If you're listening to this episode, even if it's not the Thursday of the release, go ahead and hop over to Twitter <laughs> and tweet at JW <laughs> Happy Birthday. This is a call to action. You are legally required to do this if you are listening to the podcast. I see. Yes, indeed. So how are you, Riley? <laughs> I've been doing not my best lately. Yeah. Uh, so I alluded to last episode how I got COVID um, while I was at Worlds. And I'm dealing with like long COVID, I guess, right now. And mm. it's kind of miserable. So um, I'm going to the doctor tomorrow to hopefully get a clean bill of health but it's definitely like impeded my quality of life it sucks are you still at work i like still working every day yeah yeah i yes i am okay and that's just been tough the working not necessarily but i just feel like crap all the time (laughs) so (laughs) i don't know if working necessarily contributes one way or the other to that situation but uh you know Generally, I would prefer if I didn't feel the way I do. So, yep, I heard that. Health <laughs> is, as I as I get into my middle age, health is just so important. Yeah, and as someone who like really enjoys engaging in like physical activity and lifting weights, um, it really sucks to be just like completely shut down. It feels like whenever I tried to go the last couple days and weeks, it. It was just a bad experience. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it just really sucks. <laughs> well, on a lighter note, hopefully this episode and the things that we talk about therein will make you feel a little bit better, at least mentally. 
That's right. Because today is the final episode of the current season of Tag Team. We've been running at it for so long now. It's been over three and a half years that we've been recording the podcast, which is crazy to think about. And so we're going to be wrapping up season three here today and moving on to new pastures as we look ahead to the next upcoming season of the Pokemon trading card game. So we thought it would be fun today to do a little bit of kind of like a highlight reel sort of episode, talking through some of the highs of the season, the lows of the season, what was good, what sucked, uh, some personal moments for us. And, you know, just end it on a generally high note as we look ahead towards next season here. Um, So we're just going to dive right into it, jump through a slew of topics here. And if you want to hear our own personal top moments of the season, be sure to wait till the end of the episode. Jay and I will plug those. That all said, though, let's start with a question on everybody's mind. (laughs) Something people have been wondering I get asked this dozens of times a day. What is the card to define this past Pokemon season? And granted, the lens JW and I will be taking as we talk about all these topics is the post-return to play. Uh, We acknowledge this season has been like two and a half, three years long. (laughs) (laughs) It's encompassed many, many formats. (laughs) So we'll be focusing on like post-Brilliant Stars after we actually return to competitive play. Yeah, absolutely. And when you look at the greatest cards of this last seven months or so, you got to be thinking things like Urshfu. You got to be thinking things like Palkia V Star. But I think we're in both uh, in agreement here that the best card of this season has been Arceus V Star, without a doubt. Yeah, I mean we've made this joke over and over. I'm gonna make it one more time. Taking two cards of your choosing out of your deck is very, That's very good. good. Especially when you combine it with the ability to accelerate energy to whatever attacker you want. I mean, literally what other combination of traits do you want on a card that has no weakness uh, effectively with the Dunsparce? It's just absurd. Uh, so it makes sense that Arceus rose to the top. I think what's maybe most impressive is not that that Arceus rose to the top, but that they're are other cards that you could maybe argue are even in contention alongside Arceus. Yeah, right. You know, if you look at like some of the, like Genesect or, or Palkia or the Inteleon line, the fact that any of those cards could be argued to be on a similar plane as Arceus just speaks to the test, is a testament rather to the power level of the cards that we have right now in the game. Yeah, it's certainly true. But why would we put Arceus as number one? I think it really just comes down to tournament results. You look at, All of the tournaments that occurred in North America were won by Arceus decks. And then you look at Worlds as well. Three out of the top three were Arceus decks. It was absolutely incredible how well Arceus did this season. And it just, you know, we were talking about it can accelerate to anything, right? So you you can play it with the Gengar, which we saw very early on in the season. You can play it just straight with Inteleon. You can play it with Pikachu. You can play it with Crobat VMAX. You can play it with all these different Agron. You know, you can play it with <laughs> literally anything that you can think of that's a V Pokemon, and you're probably going to have some success. The card is just absolutely ridiculous. And so 
And I think the fact that you have access to that Starbirth to really craft your game plan in a very targeted fashion every single game gravitates strong players to a card like Arceus because the name of the game at the top level is having like the best, most consistent deck and Arceus implicitly kind of guarantees that that second piece is fulfilled. Yeah, absolutely. And that was kind of one of the things that we were thinking about heading into Worlds is just I want to be able to execute my game plan every single time that I play and maybe my opponent's deck is going to be hard counter to beat mine or maybe they just run hotter, but I'm going to be able to play the game every time I sit down. And that's, I think, a very valuable thing when you're looking for a deck in the Pokemon trading card game. And so Arceus perfectly fulfills that. Yeah, so hopefully it's not a major surprise to see Arceus at the top. I think Arceus will continue to be a metagame staple as we look ahead to some of our upcoming formats. So look forward to hearing us talk about Arceus plenty more in the future here. Now let's switch on over to the top deck of the season. Now there may have been some debates on this, but Riley, what do you think, over the course of the entire season, what do you think is, has maybe been the quote-unquote best deck or the top deck of the season. Yeah, and it's tough to exactly pin this down because there's so many different decks that have done well. And, and we talked about maybe Palkia could be a deck that fit this niche because it was so, so strong in those last formats there. Um, but I think when it comes down to it, the top deck, the defining deck of this season was in fact Mu VMAX, not an Arceus deck and nor a Palkia deck. And while Mew didn't have the exact same results as Arceus as a card, as an archetype, it was something that consistently showed up and defined the tournaments that it was in. So even though Mew wasn't consistently winning tournaments, every deck was built in a way where it had to deal with Mew. It commanded so much respect by every other deck in the format in a way that Arceus and Palkia didn't quite in the same way, at least. You know, if you think about the way these Arceus decks were built, they had to have Path of the Peak engines oftentimes or a heavy dark package to deal with Mew. The Palkia decks always had the Roxanne Path combo to deal with Mew. Um, the single prize decks often relied on dark attackers or things that could easily one-shot a Mew VMAX to actually be able to handle that prize race. It just completely warped the metagame around itself. We think of all these kind of like mediocre dark type cards that would have never saw play if it wasn't for Mew. And I think that speaks volumes in of itself for how powerful this deck was. Yeah, absolutely. We talked the whole season long about in a vacuum, in a vacuum, Mew may be just the strongest deck ever to exist. If there were no counters, if there were no Path of the Peaks, if there were no, you know, metagame full of dark attackers, you know, this deck is just one of those decks that you look back on it and say, wow, how, how did it not win every <laughs> single tournament with the draw power that it has, with the attacking power that it has, with the options, the free retreat, being able to attack for a single energy, being able to reach those 280, 310 numbers. I mean, it just had a lot of things going for it. And because of that, it needed to be, like you said, respected and had to be countered. Yeah, absolutely absurd deck. Probably the strongest draw engine we've ever seen and maybe will ever see in the Pokemon trading card game. So uh, it's just, you can't write it off as a deck. And of course it did have consistent you know, top eights, top fours throughout the season as well. Yeah, it's definitely true. In spite of the hate. 
What about a flop deck of the season, Riley? We talked about Mew as being maybe the top. Let's look for a flop. What was your flop this year? Yeah, this one I struggled to, to find exactly, and we talked a little bit before the cast trying to define these, and we couldn't nail down exactly the one. I think the one that stands out to me the most, though, would be the single prize box kind of decks, namely the Zorark box kind of decks. There were some other decks we had in contention there, namely like Samurai and Darkrai were two that were on the top of our minds. Uh, but the single prize Zorark deck was something a lot of people paid attention to in both the early Brilliant Stars and the early Astral Radiance formats, and also even in the early Pokemon Go formats. And never did it draw attention past those early opening weeks of the formats. It just never had the stopping power to deal with the big V-Star Pokemon as effectively as it needed to. The options that it had for single prize attackers were always just a little bit underwhelming. You know, you think of, you had to play the stupid Electrode to deal mm. with Palkia. The Burmy was really, or the Wormadam was really not that effective as an endgame sweeper. The Slowbro even could not make an impact in the results of that deck. That card is so good in a vacuum. Yep. And even that was not enough. I mean, what do you need to do to make that Zorark box work at that point? It just was a total flop. We've talked a lot also throughout the course of the latter half of the year, since Palkia has been a deck, about the impact of a card like Radiant Greninja, which can very quickly take out threats before they can, you know, evolve up into the attackers that they need to be. So I think that as well is like you look at, you know, hard counters, and, and that's certainly like a soft counter, an unintended consequence of having Radiant Greninja in the format in Palkia decks means that, you know, by, by uh, kind of adjacency there, that card being included and that option being available to Palkia decks means that you're going to have that collateral damage of those one prize decks really struggling to get out from under a double snipe early in the game. Yeah, it's, the format was just brutal. The single prize decks all around. It felt like there was very few opportunities for sing, for single prize decks to really slide in. Malamar was maybe the one that came the closest alongside the towards the end of the format, the Radiant Charizard decks. Mm -hmm. And even then, they were fighting uphill battles, it felt like. Yep, couldn't agree more. All right, let's do one more of our hits here, and then we'll jump into a quick break for the card of the day. JW, what was the unexpected superstar of the season? What was something that nobody could have predicted but ended up making a big showing this year? Well, when they were first released, they were the content creator's dream cards. <laughs> they were. <laughs> Absolutely absurd. Very difficult to get out, but when they worked, they were pretty cool. A mechanic that had never before been seen in the Pokemon trading card game. And, of course, I'm talking about the V-Unions. Yes, the V-Unions. Unbelievable cards. Crazy mechanic. Would have loved to see that expanded a little bit more, but they released a few. You think about Pikachu. You think about the Morpeko uh, you think about the Greninja, but far and away, the best and most unexpected was the Mewtwo V Union. Mewtwo V Union had the attack that, uh, like all the V Unions, could accelerate to itself. And 
uh, also had an attack that allowed it to heal itself. So with 310 HP, you could heal 200 damage with a three energy attack. And all you needed to do was get it into play. Now that was always the hard part. How could you get that V union into play? But Sander Wojcik found a way and his unexpected Mewtwo V union deck was able to secure a top four at the North American International Championships. I think blowing most people's minds, that was certainly on the Twitter timeline for <laughs> quite a while. People just blown away by what that deck could do. It was seriously insane. And honestly, Sander had a very realistic route to win that entire he should He should have won, I, in my opinion. Yeah. In oh, my totally. opinion, right? Because, I mean, certainly Azul has a route to win that top four match um, and and found the route. And then he won the first game, so there was not enough time for the second game, which, uh, you know, clearly Sander was going to win there. Um, it, yeah, it was uh, it was a shame because I think that was one of the biggest – one of the biggest robs of all time <laughs> that I think I've ever seen is just, I, I really do believe that if they play that matchup a hundred times, Sander probably wins 90 of them, but yeah. just couldn't quite get it done there. It's a, uh, it's a shame, but that deck was seriously insane. And you know, a control deck is insane when it dominates the TCGO ladder in the com in the following yes. weeks. If it can convince the layman to play the control deck in spades, then you know you've got a powerful deck. <laughs> well, the beauty of that, and something that we haven't seen before in many stall archetypes or mill archetypes, is that it's relatively straightforward for being a stall deck. You don't have a lot of these convoluted combos. The Pokemon lineup is very much cut and dry. You know, in certain matchups, you're going to go for the mill tank. In certain matchups, you know, you would want to get the Mewtwo out relatively quickly. Like, it's just very much um, very simple. Okay, you got the Silenes to recover the hammers. And it just is one of those decks that you look back at it. Of course that works. You know, of <laughs> course that's that's something that, that could do well at a tournament. But... Um, to be able to find those combinations is is the hard part, and, uh, and it was one of those decks that just blew me away, certainly, when I saw it. Like, of course that would work. Yeah, seriously cool stuff. You love to see that, though, in the Pokemon trading card game, when, when it all comes together in that way, that it just makes so much sense in hindsight, but nobody saw it leading up to that point. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Let's take a quick breather, then, and talk through our card of the day for this week and also thank our sponsor here so jw for this week it's going to be hard to find a good deck entry for this one because they're all very obvious for what the pokemon is mm. <laughs> but this card is seriously cool and i thought it would be a great preview of what's to come in mm. the upcoming lost origin set so my hint for you, JW, as far as what Pokemon this is, is it's a psychic type, it's got 90 HP, and it's got a lost zone oriented attack. Um Yeah, and it's from the newest set, huh? It's not from the newest set. It's just in the spirit of the newest oh, set. Oh, 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 oh. Um 90 HP and a lost zone. Um, shoot. So, so it's like an older card. Uh-huh. 
It's got a loss on mechanic. And it's psychic. Shoot. I'm like, it can't be like a prime. I Immediately I go to a prime, but like Mew <laughs> Prime or Gengar Prime. Gengar has 130, I believe, and Mew has 60. So it can't be those. And then I think about the Lost March deck, which had Jatu, which was a 40 HP 40, psychic yeah. Pokemon. So I guess I don't know my Lost Zone that well. That's okay. The card of the day for today is Girafferig from oh, Lost heck. Thunder. Of course! <laughs> Girafferig is Dang it. a crazy powerful control card and really has no other practical purpose. Uh, it's got 90 HP, a psychic type card, and it has two attacks. The second attack for three colorless energy is Mind Shock, and the attack is not affected by weakness or resistance. And then for one colorless energy, it has the Get Lost attack. First, that's an excellent name <laughs> for an attack. True. Uh, but second, the effect of the attack was really, really strong, especially in discard pile-based formats. Uh, Giraffe Rag, what you do is you pick any two cards out of your opponent's discard pile, and you throw them into the Lost Zone. And for the uninitiated, the Lost Zone... You can think of it kind of analogous to like a removed from play from Yu-Gi-Oh or a banished from other card games. It's just completely inaccessible from that point of the game onward, except for a very select few set of mechanics. Um, so Giraffe Rig would pluck those cards out of the discard pile. Pokemon tends to be a discard pile heavy game, at least in some formats, and you can no longer interact with them. I personally play Giraffe Rig at the latin america international championship in 2018 uh in my zart control deck uh, specifically so i could deal with other zart control decks and also the executor deck <laughs> that had all the different color energy in the discard pile and that was a really funny matchup because after you use get lost once the executor could no longer one shot the giraffe <laughs> rig <laughs> so then you could just do it again <laughs> Yeah, and that's when uh, that's at a time when the resources were a little bit different, right? You look at now in the Pokemon trading card game and how decks are built, there's a lot of four ofs, yeah. right? And most of the time, when cards hit the discard pile, they're not coming back into play. But in years prior, when Giraffe Rig was a big deal, you had uh, things like VS Seeker, you know, to be able to recover your supporters. So you would often play less supporters and be able to get them back with the VS Seeker. Um, and, and there were other different, you know, energy recycler to get your energies back and just, you know, other cards that maybe interacted a little bit more with the discard pile that people yeah. needed to play, right? Rescue we do still have those cards, but yeah, it's just a different way of deck building. So yeah, very cool card. Love that Giraffe Rig. Yeah, Giraffe Rig was super cool, super fun to play. It was fun to say Get Lost as well. <laughs> <laughs> so love it. But I'll tell you what. If you're not trying to get lost and instead get in the zone, there's no better way to do that than with the sponsor of the Tag Team Podcast in Manscaped. Manscaped is an awesome men's grooming product company. JW and I are both avid users of their products. They offer all sorts of awesome stuff from the lawnmower so you can shave your down there hairs to their wonderful boxers that I wear at every given opportunity that presents itself as soon as they're clean from the batch of laundry. 
Genevieve, why don't you tell us a little bit about Manscaped? Manscaped has been sponsoring the cast for quite a while, and we just thank them so much for uh, partnering with us to offer you all a great deal on products. You can use code TAGTEAM over at manscaped.com to get 20% off plus free shipping. If you've been listening to the cast for a while, you'll know how much we love these products. And again, I don't know what more I can say to like encourage you to just try them out. Try them out. You don't like them, you know, okay, then come come to me with your pitchforks and your <laughs> your, you know, your mom mentality, okay? I, I'll take the brunt of that. But I have loved their products ever since I was shipped my first package. And we've gotten quite a few packages by now, Riley, right? So we've yeah, tried pretty yeah. much everything in their arsenal. It's all great. Can't recommend it enough. Go to manscaped.com, code tag team for 20% off plus free shipping. That's code tag team at manscaped.com, 20% off plus free shipping. Make sure to polish your ultra balls with Manscaped. Okay, so we've talked about some of the top and the flop decks this season. We talked about unexpected decks. Let's talk now about decks that maybe over or underperformed. So when you think about a specific tournament, JW, and you think about the decks that were showing up versus maybe what you would have expected, what's an example of a deck that maybe didn't show up that you thought was actually quite good in that format? Yeah, I had always thought that the Reggie deck was quite good. And we saw like hints of it, right? It would win a tournament in Japan. And we'd be like, okay, well this is, finally someone's found the code. Oh, they had they added Energy Lotto or they played a different supporter lineup. And it's like, ah, that's what the deck <laughs> needed, right? And we <laughs> so always true. got, we got little sniffs of it. And even in like the online scene, it would spike a tournament here or there and like, okay, now that's the deck. That's the way we needed to play Reggie this whole time. But for me, yeah, the, the most underperforming deck, I have to go with Reggie here. It felt like there were a lot of things going for it. As soon as players started to kind of figure out how to play the deck and what the optimal quote unquote lists were, but it just never gained the steam necessary uh, in in kind of these official tournaments to really, uh, I don't know, ma make it respected, I guess. Certainly it had some finishes at Worlds, Pablo most notably at 17th. But even then he said the field was <laughs> largely very bad for him in that tournament. Yeah, I felt like at Worlds especially, Reggie had an opportunity to really slide in there. You know, you had a lot of these Arceus decks that weren't really looking to deal with Reggie too much. You had the uh, the Palkia decks that were everywhere, of course, and often not including the Tool Jammer, which is super useful in the matchup, and opting for Tool Scrapper instead. So, especially with the addition of the Pokestop, it felt like Reggie had a chance to slide in and just couldn't quite get there. Pablo, of course, had his heartbreaking... Uh, for lack of a better word, throw <laughs> in his world stream game. You know, Reggie's felt like it had that chance at Worlds and didn't quite get there. Um, so I totally agree. It, it felt like a deck that had a lot of potential. You and I both talked many times, actually, about how powerful we thought the Reggie deck was and how powerful we thought it would be. We even spent some like 
really valuable time testing it and trying to optimize Reggie for multiple different tournaments and never quite got all the way there. That's right. I just couldn't pull the trigger on it, honestly. But maybe maybe next season we have uh, Jolly Flying Man in the chat here saying Reggie's with Thornton is going to be a thing. You can power up a Reggie and then switch into another basic. You know, crazier things have happened. <laughs> so... What about a deck that overperformed? A deck that maybe at a point in time this season had an overrepresentation. Maybe a deck that had its spike and then we didn't hear from it really ever again. There's one that comes to my mind, but I'm curious, Riley, what you think the deck that overperformed this year was. Yeah, I think the most obvious answer to this is going to be the dark decks at salt lake city you know gengar focused decks be it and even like arceus malamar uh but namely the gengar focused decks really dominated the the top tables at salt lake city this is coming fresh off of mew winning the melbourne regional championship the week prior or maybe two weeks prior um and Mew completely dominated the bottom tables at day two of Salt Lake City. It was like 30 Mews in a row at the bottom tables and then all dark decks at the top. And then we never really saw Gengar make a return after that. I think it had like a smattering of top 16s and then never really showed up again. And, you know, the deck is kind of a mess. <laughs> and, you know, our testing showed that time and time again. So it doesn't surprise me to see Gengar not show up again. The surprising thing was that it did so well to start with in that particular tournament. Yeah, it was pretty wild, right? I mean, you just think about the reactionary take and how a metagame can evolve over time. And this is a perfect example where we have Mew. Again, everyone identifies Mew as being the best deck, you know, in a vacuum. And of course, at the first tournament, you're going to just try to play the best deck and try to find the best list of said deck. I think that's just very much, you know, something that uh, a philosophy, a deck building philosophy that we would adhere to. And then the next tournament, there's maybe a little bit more room for expansion on that idea. There's a little bit more room for kind of experimentation even. So you have Mew as establishing itself as this powerhouse deck and so how can you take the metagame that one step further? And a lot of people said, hey, you know what? Beats Dark Week Pokemon? Uh, dark decks. So I'm going to play Gengar, which is the <laughs> most obvious beat stick into the Mew, just being able to do absurd amounts of damage because Mew is going to fill their bench with those V Pokemon. And then you have you know things like the Moltres decks. Moltres V was featured in a couple of Arceus decks as well. So just a lot of dark at the Salt Lake City Regionals. And I think the Gengar decks did extremely well, you know, as you would expect given the metagame of the tournament. But then, again, as lists kind of evolved and as as players decided to take, you know, new lists and, and modify <laughs> old lists, and we saw the metagame evolve past the point of Gengar's viability. Yeah, I think that's a it's a great succinct summary of, of Gengar's uh, reign there in that one tournament. One honorable mention I do want to give for, for this one that we had talked about as well 
is Arceus and Talion showed up hardcore at NAIC. It obviously didn't end up winning the tournament, but it occupied three of the top eight. And if you were to scroll through the Limitless page for NAIC, oh my goodness, Arceus and Talion is everywhere. And we never really saw a return to form at Worlds or even online tournaments after that. Um, so even though Arceus and Talion is probably a better, more consistent deck than Gengar, I do want to call that out as another candidate for like an overperformer. Yeah, for sure. It's a, it feels like people, the mentality has shifted to much more like either be barrel or turbo kind of Arceus decks as opposed to the Inteleon engine. Yeah, I think so. I mean, you don't really need anything in the early game, right? Cause yeah. We're talking about the Starbirth. Um, so you have, I think you have a little bit more room to just kind of hope you draw into the things you need. Yeah. Awesome. JW, what do you have as your top like tournament viewer moment? What is something that you would call out as if you wanted someone to spectate Pokemon or like get into the game and you wanted to show them like here's a highlight reel of like some things that you should check out? What's the moment or set of moments that you'd recommend folks check out? I think anything from the world championships ever like just the stakes are so high that's just so fun and the production value is uh, you know on point most of the time for those productions but um from this season in terms of the most exciting points of matches i think if you just look at the naic top four matches and in particular azul's match against sander and then azul's match against isaiah they're both just incredible matches uh back and forth a lot of just like crucial points in those matches that if a flip goes a different way or if a different card is drawn off the top deck then could have a completely different result so i think those were just great matches of course i think back to sanders game against azul and uh, just not being able to get out that mill tank <laughs> and that third mill tank and and flipping so many tails on crushing hammer and it just was put himself in such a good position, but just couldn't quite get the last pieces that he needed to pull off a, a lock on Azul. And uh, I just think like that match sticks out in my mind as being kind of a highlight of the season. Yeah, I, the whole NAIC top four was was really incredible Pokemon being played. All sorts of really cool stuff happening. And I think it showed off like the best of the best, not only players, but you know decks of the season as well. Mm -hmm. um, so i Definitely. think it was really cool stuff definitely all right then to round out our thoughts for today gw what are some personal season defining moments maybe a high and a low point as we start with the low so we're ending on a high note <laughs> for uh you know as we've wrapped up this season or looking ahead to the next sure i had a horrible horrible run at NAIC and that was okay because at that point I had secured the invite and I had you know there is really like low pressure right and I was excited I had come in with the the um the uh, Palkia deck that we had been testing and that we had done pretty well with you know a few weeks prior in Milwaukee with 
Uh, I think what I finished in the top 64. So my kind of second day wasn't the greatest, but still making it on to day two. And then your top eight finish was great. Um, so I was really excited, like, okay, we've got the list now, we've got the text to figure out certain matchups, and then I just was playing against players that, man, I, I think they could have been five years old, and the way that their deck ran, and the way the cards that they drew, man, it was just like, <laughs> they ran over me, no sweat, I just had no shot, and it was a really, <laughs> yeah. it, was, it was a sour moment for me, I played against a bunch of flying Pikachus, and I ended the day, I think, like, one and three. And it was fun. It was a ton of fun. I always love going to these tournaments and stuff. Um, but that was definitely a low point because I was like, okay, I feel really good about this list. You know, we had success with it in the past. And I can't wait to bring it to this tournament and, you know, do even better. And that just didn't happen. And it kind of goes to show that, you know, even, even a good deck on the wrong day is going to struggle. Yeah. Um, and I would say for a highlight was that week prior in Milwaukee, I was streamed on the official Pokemon stream for the first time, which I had never done. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. Um, you know, I don't, <laughs> I don't make it to a lot of tournaments every year. Um, I make it to like, I think I've averaged in the last, um, three, you know, years of, of actual play, like three regionals a year. So I haven't had that many opportunities uh, to be streamed, but it was cool to like do well enough to get on the main stage and ended up winning that match as well. So that was a lot of fun. Was Virginia not an official stream or was it grassroots? Yeah, it was grassroots stream. Mm. Yeah. Cool, man. That's yeah, awesome. it was pretty cool. It was a lot of fun. I would say my low point of the season <laughs> for... <laughs> It was honestly the World Championship, uh, <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, the tournament didn't go great. I hit a lot of awkward matchups. Um, and then I woke up with COVID the next day. So, <laughs> so that was a really cursed experience for me. Yeah. So that that's probably the low point for me, um, both in terms of tournament and like a real life experience yeah, about right. it. Uh, so that's an easy one for me. Um, personal high points. I'm going to give two from a tournament perspective. My high point was of course, uh, getting top eight at Milwaukee. And that was a really cool experience for me. Uh, both because I had a lot of anxiety going to that tournament. I just like, didn't really quite feel like we had the deck and, uh, wasn't f super on where we were headed and being like revalidated that we did get there we put the right work in uh was really satisfying for me and also i was in my home state of wisconsin so being able mm -hmm. to get a top eight at a regional in your home state is a really cool feeling and i had the pleasure of playing against chris in the top eight um who is a really awesome guy who's also from the madison area and we just had a blast playing each other so that was just a really awesome wholesome experience for me and I, I'm looking forward to hopefully making more top eights in the coming season as well. Um, and then I also want to call out, uh, even though I didn't do great at the tournament at UIC, I played Mew. Um, the whole experience of going was really awesome for me. This is my second international IC. Uh, and I went with Andrew and Natalie and Caleb Gedimer. 
and it was just a ton of fun to be out there and experiencing new things and, and enjoying Germany. The tournament obviously wasn't great, but in the grand scheme of things, it didn't felt like that mattered because I had such a great time while I was there, which is partly why like I felt like my London experience was so sour because I wouldn't have minded if the tournament was bad if I got to enjoy the experience. <laughs> uh, and I just, I just didn't. But I did get to have that in Germany, and it was really special. Yeah. And that's a moment that I'm going to cherish for the rest of my life. Yeah, well, hopefully you won't get sick in Japan ever this again. year. Yeah. <laughs> well, ever again. I mean, hopefully never again that you'll get yeah. sick. But in Japan this year because I'm I'm trying really hard to go for the invite. My wife is trying to take a trip to Japan, so yeah. you know, we're going to really we're going to grind it this year. I'm I'm excited. I I feel like the the world's announcement has given me a lot of um a lot of hopium, a lot of <laughs> kind of increased um excitement about the season ahead and a lot of the new cards have been giving me that increased excitement about the the year ahead and certainly like they talked about the ex mechanic coming back and maybe there will be more comeback mechanics built into the game and that's really exciting as well because you know more opportunities outplay your opponent never a bad thing yeah, I'm I'm really excited for what's to come in the Pokemon trading card game. The EXs are cool. I love evolving from single prize Pokemon. I think that's going to be a great change in the game. I'm excited to see how they eventually incorporate terrestrializing into the card game as well. Mm. Um, I'm excited for the video games. I'm excited for all the new Pokemon they've announced. And I'm super excited for the World Championship in Japan next year. There's so much cool stuff on the horizon. I... It feels like a great time to be involved in the Pokemon trading card game. I know we say that a lot, and maybe that's because it always is, <laughs> but I have a lot of positive energy right now towards the Pokemon trading card game. GW, I can sense that you do as well. And I'm just so excited for the coming season and to dive further into it. Yeah, absolutely. Speaking of fun things that happened this year, we have the t-shirts. We have the t-shirts. Guys, the merch is going to be dropping this weekend saturday is the kind of unofficial launch day i'm still working on the best way to um you know get the get the site up and running for that but check out more uh if you want more information on the t-shirts if you want to see what they look like um you can head on over to twitter at Tag Team Pokemon, I will be announcing there, and we'll have it over our social channels. But Saturday is going to be when they drop. It'll probably be, uh, you know, around noon on Saturday there. But we'll have specifics for that. So really exciting stuff. I've been loving the the shirt, honestly, Riley. I took it over to the Salt Lake City yeah. and was wearing it around, and it just feels pretty nice. I feel kind of cool when that's, I wear that's it. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really cool. So we're excited to get that to you guys, and uh, you know, hopefully get some some in in your hands by uh by the first few tournaments of the season i'm i'm seriously so excited for this i'm so happy that that we're doing this and i hope that you all are excited as well if you want to stay involved with the podcast get updates on merch as well as just see what jw and i are up to easiest way to do that is on twitter like jw called out you can find the podcast at tag team pokemon we'll tweet about the shirts there as well as any updates about the cast and the upcoming things to look out for, all those kinds of fun things. You can also check out our personals if you want to see what we're up to as well. You can find JW over at Real John Walter, 
and myself over at Smiles with Riles. We also record the podcast live every single week. We do that over on my Twitch channel at twitch.tv slash munner. And JW also streams regularly on his Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash flexdaddyrighteous. Please leave a rate and review if you feel so inclined. We appreciate the feedback and the boost to the algorithm. And with that, I think we've done all the major plugs. We appreciate you all so, so much. It's been a really exciting past year for the tag team, and we're so excited to continue moving forward with the next season in Pokemon. And I hope that you all feel that same energy as well. Yeah, thanks for coming along for the ride. This concludes our third season of Tag Team. Wow. Here's to three more. (laughs) So true, man. Thank you all so much as always, and we will catch you next time. Peace. See ya.